You probably didn't know this, but Carolyn has been in therapy for PTSD, yet she didn't serve in the military and she wasn't assaulted. Turns out trauma comes in many different forms and, as in her case, the effects can stick around for a while and even rear their ugly head months or years later in both mental and physical symptoms. In today's episode, we're talking with PTSD expert and registered dietitian Jess Cording to help us understand trauma and how to recognize it and heal. Let's dive in. So Jess has some personal experience, which we're going to talk about. Mm -hmm. She's also a registered dietitian, just like we are. So she is also going to talk about different approaches for healing with PTSD. It's a good episode. I'm excited. But first, so we can get to her, let me read her bio. Okay. So Jess Cording uh, is a registered dietitian, health coach, and author with a passion for helping people simplify their wellness routine by building sustainable healthy habits. Through her writing, her consulting, public speaking, and counseling, she works with individuals, corporations, and the media to help make drama-free, healthy living approachable and enjoyable. She's written two books. Uh, She authored The Little Book of Game Changers, 50 Healthy Habits for Managing Stress and Anxiety, and she also wrote The Farewell Tour, A Caregiver's Guide to Stress Management, Sane Nutrition, and Better Sleep. She also runs the Drama-Free Healthy Living Podcast and has recorded guided meditations for Simple Habit. She's created educational content for Caravan Wellness. Cording is part of the Mind Body Green Collective and a frequent contributor to various media outlets such as Forbes, Shape, and more. She is also a big believer in the mental and physical benefits of exercise, which is why she is a certified Pilates mat instructor. She is currently the dietitian and health coach for the Valley Breast Cancer in northern New Jersey, where she counsels patients on healthy lifestyle and risk reduction as part of a comprehensive breast cancer survivorship program. Welcome to the podcast, Jess. It is so nice to be here with you guys. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you. Of course. Yeah, we're excited to talk about this. You know, I happened to see a post that you made back when we were in Denver. And mm-hmm. I think it, one of the posts, um, one of her posts is what made me realize that we are presenting on our podcast at a national conference the day it was National Mental Health Day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's right. We didn't even realize it. Yeah. Um, But it was another post that you made right around that same time, or that I happened to see, it happened to be in my feed, that you posted about trauma and you healing from trauma. Um, And it was, you were referencing an article that you'd written for Mind Body Green, and you were sharing that you had been a victim of sexual assault and, you know, you kind of thought you were okay going on with life and then following your dad's death, and please correct me if I get anything wrong, you realize, like, you really hadn't dealt with the past trauma um, of that situation and kind of explained how you were healing from it and kind of what you learned on the way. Um, and it's it's been so popular that you're now um, getting ready to launch an eight-week workshop for people on trauma that they can sign up for. And we'll share more on that later. But um, can you tell us a little more about how that came about? 
Yeah, well, you know, I've been writing for Mind Body Green for, I mean, since my father's still alive. So I guess probably since 2017, uh, at least. And, you know, they have this whole series of, um, of stories called Invisible Illness. And at one point they approached me like, hey, would you like to write something for this series? And they didn't know my my history, but I was, you know, I, I had, at the time that they approached me about that, I had, you know, I had just suffered um, my, what was technically my third miscarriage. And I was just like, cracked open. I was like, you know what? I am done having secrets. I am going to just share this thing that's been a huge part of my life and my journey and see what happens. Um, you know, I guess I had just, you know, sometimes, and we can talk about this more, but when you've been through one traumatic experience, you know, you do find that you respond more so to other traumatic experiences. And, you know, earlier in my career, I talked a lot about um, the importance of stress management, but I was very general about it. You know, I was just like, are you stressed? Yeah, stress. Let's deal with stress. And I was like, you know what? I want to tell the whole story. So I wrote uh, an article about my experience and I really don't spend a lot of time when I write about this topic, talking about the actual trauma itself, because I think that's not necessarily the more important thing, because I think trauma is so universal. So many people, like I, I can barely think of anyone I know in my life who has not been touched by some kind of traumatic experience. And for a lot of people, that trauma can have really lasting implications. And so I wanted to share about my own healing journey and what I wish I had known when I was first starting out 20 years ago um, and what really helps me today. You know, as I share in the article, I, you know, I don't look at healed as never feeling triggered again. Um, I, I look at it more as, you know, acknowledging the triggers when they happen and using the tools that you have to help yourself get back to feeling grounded again more quickly, more efficiently, you know, and it's a process that does get easier over time. So yeah, I did talk quite a bit about things I, I did not know <laughs> because I wasn't a dietitian or health coach or Pilates instructor. You know, I was a college student trying to figure it out. Right. Um, so, and I, yeah, I, I heard from other people about their experiences and they wanted resources and couldn't find anything out there that really spoke to what I was being asked to, to help with. Well, your article caught my attention because I, I shared with you earlier before we recorded this that I am currently in therapy for post-traumatic stress from trauma. But it took me a long time to realize that I'd been through trauma because I relate post-traumatic stress or the, you know, resulting from trauma with like people in the military or a horrible like sexual assault, that kind of thing. And I had didn't deem mine as bad enough, I guess. So let's start out with just what is trauma um, and how yeah. maybe bad does something have to be to be traumatic? I am so happy you brought that up because I think there is this element of trying to gaslight ourselves into thinking that our trauma really not that big a deal or other people had it so much worse. So like, I should be able to deal with this. I should be fine. Yes. What's wrong with me that I can't seem to get over it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but trauma, just speak in terms of a definition, we'll say it's a psychological response to a distressing event or a series of events. And trauma can have short-term and long-term mental, emotional, and physical effects. 
And, you know, it, it affects people differently. And I think that what you described of feeling like, um, you know, like surprised when something, you know, is some quote unquote, not bad enough, or we are conditioned to think that trauma looks a certain way. Um, but, you know, as, as a, as somebody who's worked as a clinician with the hundreds of people who have experienced trauma and are trying to process it and are wondering why they struggle in certain areas of their day-to-day life, like it, there's not one way that it looks. It can be so many things. And you often hear the, the term um, big T trauma, little T trauma, like sometimes it is really big stuff. Sometimes it's little things that just chip away at your brain. And mm-hmm. I think it's important to to leave space for, for just the idea that trauma can look differently for different people. Yeah. And it can be a range of things. Um, yeah. So, so mine's very different from yours. Um, mine occurred over like a three-year period with my children had an autoimmune disorder that it was just uh, was constantly living in fight or flight and just constant chaos. Yeah. Never knew I was going to wake up to that kind of thing. And then um, things, things have calmed down now. They're they're good. We're on the mend and managing stuff well. And, you know, I felt like, okay, things are good now. But I couldn't go back to normal. Um, and it took me a while to realize, like, why? What's wrong with me? Like, everything's good now, Carolyn, you know? Like, and, and it took me a while to realize. So it's important, I think, for people to realize that it can look like sexual assault. It can look, it can be something that's extended years. It can be little things. It's, it's a lot of different things. There's no specific definition. And there's no one trauma that's any better or worse than, or you know what I mean, not like more important. Like, you know, if you're in a relationship where two different people have experienced trauma, um, you know, you do have to be mindful of avoiding like trauma bonding to a point where it's not healthy or helpful. But, you know, one person's trauma is not any more or less valid than the other person's trauma. You know, both of those people deserve to have adequate support. Um, And I mean, it can be helpful to have someone who understands that mechanism that you go through, because, you know, we know that there are structural and functional changes that happen in the brain as a result of trauma. And some of these changes can be lasting and impact the way that we respond to stress um, in general. So, you know, we might find if someone has been through, through trauma, they might notice, well, like, why do I get so freaked out by this other thing that like my colleague doesn't seem rattled by? Or why is it so hard for me to get out of this funk? Or why is this particular thing that is seemingly small stressing me out so much? Like, those can all be very, I hate to say, I don't like the word normal, but those are very common um, reactions that someone has if they've been through trauma. And, you know, they may not even be aware. Like you were saying, Carol, you're like, why, why am I feeling this way? Everything is good now. Like, you know, these, these things can, can hide out. Um, you know, you asked earlier, you, know, you, you mentioned earlier, and there was a period where I thought I was like, okay, and like, you know, everything was fine. And, you know, I will admit, like, I, I was a writing major my first time around. Um, I have a secret BFA in writing and publishing. Um, and I did a lot of like nonfiction and performance poetry and uh, and fiction as well about, you know, where there was always this central theme of trauma and like working through it. Um, and I didn't feel okay. Um, I definitely acted out in ways that were in some ways, you know, you might like, I look back and I say, oh yes, like I, you know, younger me was trying to master the experience, was trying to numb out. And, you know, I know in my own, in my professional life, you know, I learned really, really early on that like drugs, alcohol, 
that was not going to be my thing. That would not help at all. But um, what I did find myself drawn to as a coping mechanism was work. Um, that is a socially acceptable mm-hmm. coping mechanism. Yes. And for years and years, and I still have to keep this in check, you know, there is this tendency to try to numb out with work and achievement. And um, as someone who's already wired as like a type A, like most dietitians, like it's a really, it's a very alluring drug, isn't it? Um, yes. But, you know, I think a big part of my recovery has been learning how to slow down and to recognize when I'm working on something diligently because I love it and it's important to me and when I am numbing out with work and overdoing as a way to compensate for feelings of uncertainty, unworthiness, and all those other fun emotions that can come up. I love that you call it a drug because it totally is. And it feels like a valid drug, too. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's why you yeah. let yourself get away with it. Yeah. I mean, she said oh, it, yeah. it's socially acceptable, yeah. which it is. I mean, at least in America, it is. Yes. Um, to just pour yourself into work, just like it's socially acceptable to be extremely busy. Yeah. Well, and you don't know this, but it really so... I really didn't know Briarly till we started the podcast in 2021, and that was kind of in the midst of while I was going through all my trauma. And it was really meeting you and hanging out with you more. I realized it is really abnormal that I'm working on the weekends. Oh, Like you were really like, you know, I'll deal with that Monday. I'm not going to get on my computer this weekend. And I was, and that was just like my go-to reflex. And so it was really working with you where I was like, okay, Carolyn, I didn't know why at the time or what I was dealing with, but I was like, okay, this is really abnormal. Like, <laughs> but I've let it become normal as a way to escape. Yeah. Um, so you were saying something earlier about um, once you have experienced trauma, sometimes you might, um, it could be worse the next time around. Or, or th- those were not your exact words, but that was what I heard. You're easier to react. Yeah. Did I hear? Can you can you elaborate on that or correct me if I like completely misinterpreted what you intended to say? No, that's you know, I like to look at it as you know, it's it's in some ways you might look at it as a chronic condition that you have to manage. Um, This is not the best analogy, but sometimes for myself, I this helps me make sense of it when I start to get hard on when I'm being a little hard on myself, when I, I start to notice I'm getting over overly or more stressed than I would like to about something. Um, have you guys ever had any sports injuries? Not no. me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I know I'm well, a big athlete and everything, but shockingly not me. Uh, I mean, my, minor inconveniences, nothing, nothing major. So like sometimes if you, um, like certain, like, you know, if you like not an injury of some kind or you have surgery on a particular spot on the body, um, you know, it, it heals up, but it's never quite the same. And especially with certain um, like certain injuries, it's just people find they re-injure the same thing over and over. Or they have, you know, there's this expression where people say, like, when the weather is a certain way, an old, like, broken bone, like, they can feel it. You know, it talks to them. Um, or if we just have a lot of, like, tension in our body and, you know, when we're kind of not being mindful about our posture and lifestyle or the way that we're sleeping, like, you know, we end up with more pain. Um, I think that that sometimes is how I think of it. Um, but in a lot of ways, I, and I remind myself of this sometimes during those phases where I'm like, why am I so upset about this thing? And, you know, I mean, 
PTSD is it's essentially brain damage. You know, it is changing the way that your brain functions. And um, I think that it's unfair for somebody to put pressure on themselves to respond, quote unquote, normally when there are these changes that have happened in their brain that doesn't mean there's something wrong with them per se, but it just means that maybe they need a little more support. That's what I think. That's what I was so unaware of until recently is that it causes changes in your brain circuitry and in your nervous system, um, which lead to physical stuff eventually. But I I wasn't really aware of the imprint that it left that you had to work to kind of uncondition yourself from. And, it, it, you know, it can, it's not that because you go through this, you know, that you're stuck in this, you know, with this, um, this impaired stress response forever. But you do have to, in a sense, retrain your brain and for a lot of people be extra intentional about what lifestyle habits you're using to support um, recovery. And just, again, when you do feel triggered, how to come back from that. And just as I like to say, just get back to yourself. Because, you know, one thing that does happen a lot with trauma, and especially for someone who's more, um, you know, we see this a lot, like either in the free state, for example, where someone, or sometimes you'll see like the flop state, where someone like dissociates, you know, they just kind of flop out of the, the moment um, where, you know, or like numbing behaviors where someone's trying to escape. Um, it can be really hard to stay present in your body. So I often will recommend uh, when someone is really working on staying more present and getting grounded is looking at what they're eating, you know, uh, incorporating movement into their day that helps them feel more grounded and looking at other habits that can help them stay more present um, through those difficult emotions that come up. So how how does trauma present itself? Like, let's, let's take... Uh, if you want to use yourself as an example, or if you if you want to um, just speak generally, like how does if if we're talking about a person who does not necessarily know that they whether or not what they have experienced is trauma, or how might it present like mentally? How might it present physically? Like what are some of the 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 signs that we're going to see in, in our bodies? Yeah. So mentally speaking, um, there's some signs where manifestations in terms of mental health, you know, someone might find that they have a harder time coping with everyday stress or just feeling like it takes them longer than it should to bounce back. Um, or maybe they have a hard time thinking clearly when they're feeling triggered or exposed to stress. Um, maybe they experience a lot of fear and anxiety, um, symptoms of depression, uh, or self-esteem, very classic manifestation of trauma. Um, if we're looking at physical manifestations, um, there's so some of the things that you might see. So, um, you know, uh, like hyperarousal, where someone's sort of just this heightened state of just like being very like aware of their surroundings. There's rapid breathing, muscle tension, like increased heart rate, um, chronic pain. That comes up a lot as well. Uh, another very common uh, way that trauma can manifest in the body, um, gastrointestinal issues. You know, the, 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 the brain and the gut are so connected. So there is quite a bit um, in terms of like irritable bowel syndrome, um, just feeling that someone has a nervous stomach. You might hear 
um, if someone's under chronic stress, things like ulcers, even um, things, you know, depending how, if somebody is experiencing chronic stress related to trauma for a long time, we might look at um, cardiovascular issues, um, impaired immune system function, so making someone more susceptible to, to illness, um, insomnia, that, like sleep disturbances, mm. that is a huge one. There is a big connection between trauma, stress, and sleep, um, sleep disturbances, um, headaches, migraines. Um, and then, you know, we also have to look at things as well. There's quite a bit of literature on trauma-induced or trauma-related eating disorders and substance abuse. You know, those are some mm. very serious issues that are sort of um, mental and physical. I mean, it's all connected, but those are, um, those are just a few, a few, a few of the things. So I, and in my practice as an RD, uh, something I do see very commonly is, um, either, um, so a lot of weight related, uh, manifestations, whether that is difficulty gaining weight or difficulty losing weight. Those are two things that do come up quite a lot as well. Um, and also like energy crashes, mood swings, um, I could go on and on, but as you can see, there's a lot of ways that trauma might show up in the body. Yeah. Wow. Um, can you clarify, maybe we should end this earlier, um, just the difference between trauma and PTSD or, or how those are associated? Yeah. So trauma, I know we shared what trauma is. Um, not every person who experiences trauma will experience PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder. So, um, so, and, you know, Carolyn, you shared that very often uh, we hear about PTSD in the context of um, people who've been in, in war zones, for example. Um, but it can, it can show up in response to so many types of trauma, but essentially PTSD, it is a, um, I mean, I would say it's a debilitating mental health condition that can happen after experiencing traumatic events. And it, it honestly, it doesn't always show up right away. Um, there's a lot, you know, many cases where um, it shows up several, several months or sometimes even years later where something triggers the, the memories. So, um, you know, it, with, with post-traumatic stress disorder, you know, that is where somebody can find that it just really interferes with everyday living, you know, um, just everyday tasks. So um, these symptoms can be really, really disruptive. Like um, a very common one is flashbacks. And I don't mean flashbacks like remembering an event, though that can be disturbing enough. But, you know, if you're finding that you're, I know from my experience, um, I remember I was in high school um, at the time and I was, uh, this was during my um, I remember the first time I really started having flashbacks, I was taking the SATs for the first time and I was trying to take the test and suddenly I wasn't in the room. I was in the place where the assault had happened, like kind of reliving it as I'm trying to sit there and take this test that's going to help me get into college. Um, you know, or I remember being in like class and I would just space out and it's not because I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't invested in what we were doing in, in class. So with AP English, that I no interest in that class. But um, <laughs> just I just wasn't in the room anymore. Um, or that happened, you know, I think given the nature of my experience, like for a very long time for me, um, you know, uh, intimacy was really hard because, you know, it, my body 
couldn't handle, like my brain and my body just couldn't be there. So I would just go somewhere else. And all of a sudden, you know, a partner would be shaking me like, Hey, where'd you go? Where are you? Um, you know, so that's, that's how, um, part of, so that's how someone might experience PTSD with that dissociation, um, severe anxiety. That is another really big red flag. And I don't mean just like feeling just generally anxious, but like so anxious that it's inhibiting your, your day-to-day life. Um, things like irritability, anger, sometimes it can show up that way. Um, for others, it might be depression, feelings of hopelessness, um, or just feeling really numb and detached. Those are some other things that can happen. Um, I know sleep disturbance, nightmares, that is a huge, a huge clue. Um, you know, and I, again, if you're finding that someone is getting into like um, that hypervigilant state, um, feeling like a really exaggerated res- response to stressors, um, of course, substance use, or substance abuse, self-destructive behaviors like, like cutting or self-mutilation. Um, but also uh, something I found very fascinating was um, cognitive um, issues where like, for example, if someone has uh, so many intrusive thoughts that they're not able to like think properly or think mm-hmm. clearly or communicate, mm-hmm. um, troubles with memory, um, also things, I remember something I found very interesting is, um, and I thought this is a newer conversation in this space, but the similarities between ADHD and PTSD signs, how sometimes they're mistaken for one another. Um, that I remember like the first time I, I came across anything like that, I was like, Oh, that sounds like me. Maybe I don't have ADHD. Like maybe this is just more of the same. Um, but also, um, Another really interesting facet, and this doesn't have to be exclusive to PTSD, but um, and exclusive to one type of trauma, but feelings of guilt and blame. Like if somebody is finding that they are um, feeling like it's like so guilty all the time for things that are not in their control or they shouldn't feel guilty about, you know, that's something else that can come up as well. So. Um, and again, so there's a lot of nuance, you know, I, every person is different in terms of what they experience, but um, there there are a lot of ways that, that both trauma and PTSD, PTSD can present. But I would say that PTSD is a much um, more pronounced disruptive uh, response or condition, we'll say. Yeah, it's going to stop you and make you deal with it. <laughs> exactly, yes. <laughs> So how do you go about healing? So I always recommend therapy is a great tool. Um, When I published that Mind Body Green article, I actually made sure to include some uh, ideas for how to find a therapist. Because, you know, not everybody has the money or the time for one-on-one sessions out of pocket. You know, and what's really good is that we do have a lot more options now than we used to in terms of mental health support. Um, You know, some people find things like support groups helpful, other people find them not helpful at all. Um, You know, but I do think that having some kind of mental health support is vital. You, You know, you do, I do think it makes a big difference to be able to talk about your experiences in a safe place with someone who has training in addressing those mental health issues. Um, but beyond that, you know, I, as a registered dietitian, nutrition is a big piece of the picture. Um, I, there is so much I wish I had known when I was first on this, uh, on this PTSD healing journey, we'll call it. 
Um, like I, you know, I think one of the biggest things that I have found to help for my clients and for myself, blood sugar balance, that is huge. Like as a college kid, I remember I didn't, you know, I didn't cook and I wasn't, I was an art major. I mean, you know, I was a writing major. I didn't a nutrition major. So I would often eat like dinner was like chicken noodle soup and a bag of microwave popcorn. And like mostly carbs, a little bit of protein, no healthy fat whatsoever. You know, it was like the early aughts. Like we, you know, fat wasn't really like a socially acceptable thing again um, yet. But I, you know, I look back and I'm like, it was like the opposite of what I recommend and rely on now. So, you know, I do tend to recommend get plenty of protein, plenty of healthy fats, adequate fiber. These are all things that help support stable blood sugar. And because our stress response and blood sugar control are so tied together, um, they affect one another. Um, That is one of the best things you can do um, is to focus on stabilizing blood sugar. Um, Beyond that, you know, paying attention to gut health, that's also really important, you know, because we do have this so-called second brain in our gut, the enteric nervous system. And, you know, all of those nerve endings and the gut and, ones in the brain, like they're talking to each other all day long via the vagus nerve. And, you know, what is helpful for nourishing the gastrointestinal system, you know, can help support clear communication between the gut and the brain. Um, And there's also the fact that a lot of mood regulating neurotransmitters are actually produced in the gut. So a lot of reasons to be mindful that you're eating foods that support a healthy gut. So, you know, I talk a lot about fermented foods, um, uh, plenty of fiber, fluid, and just, you know, being thoughtful of the the types of foods that you're consuming and how your body responds to them. Um, also limiting alcohol and caffeine. Um, yeah, note to my younger self, oh my goodness, like one of the best things I ever did to help with, two of the best things I ever did to help with um, healing was to cut way, way back on caffeine and to cut out alcohol. Like I fortunately never had a problem with alcohol, but it just, it wrecked my sleep. It, um, really just didn't, it always did not feel good. It just, I, it wasn't helpful in any way. And I found that when I stopped drinking alcohol, I was able to access, um, not just access my emotions, but respond to them more thoughtfully. Mm. Um, that was my experience. You know, I know everyone's a little bit different. I'm also only four foot 11. So I think it was just a matter of time before, like, you know, I've never had a good alcohol tolerance. <laughs> but, uh, so those are a few of the food things. So, um, but exercise, we do have some research on exercise being a beneficial um, uh, supplement to trauma healing. You know, and there's something for everybody. It's not just, you know, you don't just have to run. You don't have to just do like this kind. Like the official recommendation for stress management is a, similar to other, like, health conditions. So aiming for around 150 minutes a week of moderate intensity cardio. But honestly, I think the important thing is just move your body in a way that feels good. Like if somebody is in the flight in flight mode, I'm not going to tell them to go running. Like that's probably not what they need. That person maybe needs like restorative yoga um, or something more like weight training where they have to really focus on their muscles and being present in their body and paying attention to the different muscle groups or Pilates, you know, which requires you to be very tuned into your body. Um, that was why, I mean, honestly, for, for me, I did find Pilates really therapeutic in that sense because my brain was so chaotic all the time that um, in a movement like like Pilates, I had to pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just like a, a different energy 
Um, but, you know, walking, there's so much research on the benefits of walking. Um, dancing, you know, that is a great way to, like, just, you know, blow off some steam and, you know, laugh and feel good. So there's there's a lot of things. But I also, in my work with, with clients, I talk a lot about sleep hygiene. That is, I, I have more clients who struggle with sleep than do not. If I ever meet someone who's like, I sleep great, I'm like, what, what planet are you from? Tell me more. <laughs> what do you do um, so to those, do that? Know. And then we also have research on things like meditation, breath work. I'm a huge fan of journaling. There is some research on journaling in terms of stress response, trauma healing. So a lot of good tools out there. Can we jump back? I know it's like many steps back, but but I would love to talk for a, just a brief moment about that connection between, you were saying, between like your blood sugar and your stress response. So can you elaborate a little bit on how, um, like when your blood sugar is low because you haven't eaten, like what it is doing to you physiologically that is going to um, enhance your stress response or you know, amp up your anxiety, that kind of thing. Yeah. So when your blood sugar is low, um, that's when you're more likely to start experiencing feelings of anxiety. Um, so a part of this, um, so our, as I was saying, our blood sugar and our stress response are very connected. So, um, one of the, you know, and there's a, there's a few things that can happen. So, um, but if, if someone is not eating balanced meals, you know, their blood sugar is going up and down mm-hmm. all day. Because, you know, if you eat like, I don't know, a banana, you know, it's like you're putting twigs on a fire, right? Like you get a little flicker of energy, fullness, you feel calm for a minute because, you know, your body's gotten the glucose and fructose and other things that it needs to just, you know, give you some energy and keep you stable for a minute. But then that fire goes out and you need more. So that's where a lot of people run into feelings of anxiety um, cravings, which can become very stressful in and of themselves for people that feel like, why am I craving these things? And that can lead to unhealthy relationships with food and difficulty trusting their body. Um, but you know, in terms of like, you know, when we're under stress, we are more likely to experience higher circulating levels of stress hormones like cortisol, Mm -hmm. adrenaline, um, and that can cause our blood sugar to be unstable. So it'll be like up and down all day, which is when you're going to run into energy crashes, mood swings, um, you know, feelings of anxiety, irritability, difficulty focusing. So there's a lot of ways that that can show up and make it hard for you to go about your day-to-day life. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that's great. Cause I think that, um, especially when you're stressed or, you know, you're going through, you know, any type of emotional distress for lack of a better word, it's really easy to forget. Well, I should say for some people, I happen to be that person that will just ignore food. Um, I'm not hungry and I, and I know enough to know that like that doesn't help. Yeah. But then on the flip side, there are folks who maybe like when they are stressed or emotionally distressed, like they will reach for unhealthy, like less healthy food choices that may, you know, cause that spike and crash of blood sugar. So it's like, I think that it's just, it's really important to, to remember that you have to, you have to fuel your you have to fuel your body up like more. You have to fuel your body. Be up. more careful about how you feel it. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. When you are yeah. experiencing um, any any of this. Yeah. 
And the cortisol connection is interesting. Uh, cortisol has been a popular topic among our listeners. So we've done two episodes now um, on how to lower it. But elevated cortisol also doesn't help your sleep or your digestion <laughs> or any of the other things, any of the other symptoms you may already be having. Yeah. And um, no, it can also mess with hormone function too, mm-hmm. which can add other issues, you know, um, depending where someone's at, you know, in their life cycles and this, I mean, it affects men, but in terms of, you know, female, um, like more specifically reproductive hormones, like that can also impact things like fertility and menstrual cycle, um, you know, like symptoms and such. So it's all, it's all connected. It's, you know, so whenever I'm working with someone who is feeling overwhelmed, because feeling overwhelmed is another classic trauma response uh, symptom. So I like to keep it simple. I'm like, if nothing else, just make sure you're getting enough protein. Or if you want to take it a step further, pair any carbohydrates with protein and or fat. You know, but I'm like, if nothing else, protein at every meal and snack. Just start with that. Um, you know, and just not put too much pressure to be perfect. Cause we could go way down the rabbit hole and be like, you should be eating all of these foods with specific stress fighting compounds in them. But if someone's in that feeling like, you know, that fight, flight, or free state, they're already overwhelmed. Like the last thing they need is like a list, like a detailed list of like, these are all the things you should be doing. Like usually we need to start with something simple that, cause you, you know, you do need to be extra intentional about, you know, fueling yourself properly when you're going through a stressful time or you're in the earlier stages of healing or you're just, you could be 20 years out and going through a difficult time where you're finding yourself more triggered by something than you would like to be. Um, you know, and that's the time you're like, okay, got to be extra careful about getting the basic things that I need. Not a time for perfectionism, but just bringing it back to the basics of, you know, protein, fat, fiber, water, movement, you know, that keep it as simple as possible. Yeah. If anybody had given me like a long list of diet instructions when I was in that stage, I would have like thrown it out. Yeah. 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 I would have zoned out too as soon as I started talking and I realized it was a long list. Yeah. Thanks. (laughs) No thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Not that I love that you had a reason to write that article that you did, but I love that it resonated with people so much that you've gotten emails and DMs and, um, have now created the this eight-week course called the Trauma Warriors Toolbox. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us a little more about that? Because there really aren't that many resources available and unless, you know, until you get into counseling or there's not, you know, a webinar or, you know, a four-week class or anything like that um, when it comes to trauma or none that I have seen. No, I, you know, I remember, um, I mean, honestly, I wanted to create the course that I could have used mm-hmm. when I was first navigating all this stuff. Cause I was fortunate to learn a lot on my path as a dietitian, health coach, Pilates instructor. Like I started to put pieces together and, you know, figure out what could be helpful. And, you know, I've been able to do that in one-to-one work, which is great, but not everybody can do that. And I'm only one person, you know, and there's, so many people struggling with this stuff. And to your point, I went looking, I was like, surely someone has put this together. Like there's so many people who struggle with this. Like there must be something out there and what there are resources, but what's out there is so scattered and can be so hard for someone to find. Like even me as, you know, someone who's been a healthcare provider for almost 15 years, like I had a hard time finding stuff, you know, 
Um, and I couldn't imagine like being someone who's like still in that, you know, triggered mindset, looking on the internet for something to help and not being able to find it. Um, so I just, I, I got so many messages from people saying, you know, I'm struggling with this stuff, like, you know, but I'm on a, you know, I'm on a budget. I don't have a lot of time. Like I, I need something. Is there, you know, what is out there? And I, I was like, well, nothing yet. But I finally was like, well, I, sh- I should make it. <laughs> you know, I, I want to help people with this. I hate telling people that I can't help them, um, you know, with, and especially something so, so specific where we need resources on this. Yeah. So I, this course, it's eight weeks. It is meant to be a supplement or a complement to conventional therapy or other healing modalities. So it's not meant to be a replacement, but the trauma warriors toolbox, it's an eight week group coaching program. So with this course, what I wanted to do was just to demystify the ways that trauma can impact the mind and the body and then offer tools to help support that healing journey. So there's a lot about nutrition. So what we've been talking about today in terms of blood sugar balance and how that re- relates to energy and mood and cognitive function, um, talk about foods with stress fighting properties, you know, ways to you know, make healthy eating sustainable in everyday life when you're feeling really overwhelmed. Definitely want to spend time on that. Um, of course, I talk about exercise and how to build a healthy relationship with exercise and make it part of your life. We also talk about things like breath work, meditation, mindfulness. You know, I do include some guided meditations as well because that is something else that I do. So there's, you know, audio, there's video. Um, there's a whole section on sleep because that is something, I'll be honest, that was one of the biggest things I struggled with. Um, insomnia was one of my biggest struggles. And I talk about that a lot in my second book, The Farewell Tour. Um, which was about my experience of taking care of my dad um, in the last months of his life. But like, I, I, you know, insomnia and sleep disturbance is such an issue for so many people. We couldn't not do something about sleep. So there's sleep, like basically there's sleep hygiene 101, but also what to do when you can't sleep. Because I find a lot of people fall asleep just fine, but then they're up all through the night mm-hmm. and frustrated and wanted to offer support with that. And then we also offer some things related to just everyday stress management and how to create your own personal toolbox. You know, those things that work for you so that you have a sustainable plan that you can fall back on when you do experience triggers. Because it would be great if we never experienced triggers again, but they have a way of showing up in unexpected places and when we least expect them. So having tools that we'll actually use can be really, really valuable sounds fabulous yeah it's, it's great and so tell tell me is it so you said it was group based and are you leading it or is it self-directed with a group so it's both so there are self-guided modules but there's also a workbook that people work through there's weekly group calls um there's also the option for one-to-one coaching as well because not everybody wants that but some people really really want that um, and also things like a, a private group chat and secure private messaging. So that way there's the opportunity for support in between those calls. Because, you know, things have a way of popping up when you're not in that one hour a week where you're yeah. meeting as a group. So um, it's meant to be something that's a little bit of um, self-guided, but with that element of group and one-to-one support as well. Neat. Will you tell listeners where they can find that starting in January? Yeah, so... That it lives on my um, 
there's a page that lives on my website. If you go to jessicacordingnutrition.com, under the services section, there is, um, you can find it just to drop down the trauma warriors toolbox, but you can also find it on the work with me in the work with me section. And, um, if you go to my social media, I'm on just, I'm at just courting on Instagram. Mm -hmm. There's also information there as well in the, the link in bio. So a lot of ways to to find out about that and connect with me and learn more. Yeah, and for our listeners, we're going to link all of that. We're going to link yeah. the Mind Body Green article. We're going to link the Trauma Warriors Toolbox. We're going to do all of Jess's social media in the show notes. Um, so you can go there to get pretty much anything that we've talked about or that Jess has mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I would just want people to know that, you know, if they've been through a traumatic experience and they're feeling um you know, any less than because of their, their stress response and the symptoms that they have, just to know that they're not alone. This is something so many people go through. And probably there are people in your life that are going through experiences like this that you probably have no idea. You know, that's why this article was um, written as something about an invisible illness. Mm-hmm. You know, there are millions and millions of people affected by trauma and PTSD, and you should not feel ashamed if that is something that you're working through right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think because everybody's trauma experience is so unique and you're never going to fully get that other person's, it can be very isolating. Yeah, I think the biggest... And thank you, guys. Th- thank you. This was great. I, I mean, I I know we... I think for this episode, we did more listening than we did talking that in a long time. It's but fascinating. It, it was really quite fascinating. So please don't take our not talking as, as, a, uh, as a bad sign. I've just... I really enjoyed your insights. Yeah, and thank you for just shining some light on this topic because so many people go through this. And to your point, it can be so isolating. So I just hope that someone out there listening hears this and they're like, oh, it's not just me. Okay, this this is okay. I can can do this. I can feel okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I had no clue there were people like walking around me in this world that were having responses like that until I went until... After us until I started to. Um, thank you. I appreciate it. Great. Thank you so, so much. Oh yeah, thank you guys. It was so lovely to speak with you. Same. Good to, speak good to with see you. you. Thank you. You guys Bye. too. Thank you so much for joining us for the Happy Eating Podcast. I'm Briarly Horton. And I'm Carolyn Williams. If you liked this week's episode, then don't forget to rate and leave us a review on iTunes and be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll never miss a new episode. We can't wait to have you back at our table next week for a brand new episode. Bye. The contents discussed in the Happy Eating Podcast, such as advice, studies, text, graphics, images, and other material discussed or presented on the site or podcast are for informational purposes only. Content is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health providers with any questions you may have regarding your condition. Never disregard professional advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on the Happy Eating Podcast. If you are in crisis or think you may have an emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. If you're having suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK, that's 8255, to talk to a skilled, trained counselor at the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. If you are located outside the United States, call your local emergency line immediately.